And mine were whispering at me like bugs on top of my computer when I came back. You know, the way, bu- the way bugs sometimes talk to you. Welcome to this week's edition of Attica Shrug, the podcast about uh, Southern politics, culture, and things going on this week. Uh, I'm Wes Cheek. With me, as always, are Chad Watson. Hello. And David Dykes. Hello. So, uh, a lot of weird stuff going on this week, but um, we did the movie episode last week, uh, and its uh, late release is due to me having a family. Uh, which is, you know, uh, very makes means things don't happen on time ever because the baby likes to yank the computer cord out of the wall while I'm trying <laughs> to work, which is which is good. Um, yeah, and so we did the movie episode, and then we're kind of kind of keep the ball rolling because we've been kind of talking about the best movies, and then we were also thinking about let's talk about the worst movies. So we decided to just go ahead and do it. We're going to talk about the worst Southern movies. But before we get to that, uh, how are things going in Houston, Chad? Uh, Things are going pretty good. It's humid now. It's uh, Summer has started, so that means it's really hot and really humid. Yeah, the humidity hit here today. Like, I walked outside and I was like, oh, that's the real humid. Yeah, it's been uh, unseasonably comfortable up until about, like, last, maybe this week. I guess, like, maybe last weekend. And it's just, yeah, you just walked outside into insufferable humidity. The, oh, the hum- I said, oh, the humidity is what I said when, when I walked outside. Um, yeah. What about in San Miguel, David? Um, the weather? Yeah, everything. Uh, <clears throat> the rainy season might start next week, uh, we hope. And, Wait, you guys uh, have a rainy season? Yeah, yeah. It hadn't rained really since September, I guess. Like we might have had, a, we've had a couple of rains since then, but uh, it pretty much doesn't rain uh, except in high summer. But anyway, um, but yeah, that, it was a kind of intense week for me. We did our school talent show. I mentioned last week that we were practicing for it, and um, I kind of helmed it, I guess. Not really so much as a director because it's all group work, but I was one who yelled at everybody and made people cry and stuff, and that's always that's very... Good. That's important. Well, it's draining and hard to do. I, I'm, it's not in my nature to be that guy, but uh, uh, I get sort of pushed into that position a lot of times. Sometimes I think just because I'm gigantic and male. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But it went really, really well. It was just great. And then yesterday I was moving a big chair and slipped on a, um, a tile on somebody's patio and might have cracked a rib. I'm not sure. I've got, I've got a painful rib today, but uh, everything's everything's all right. Uh, even given that, it's not too bad. So probably it's not cracked. It's probably just a bruise. Anyway, so yeah, a good week overall, even though it ended in injury. You should lie about the rib injury and say it was like in a, a back room boxing match in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> or or a boxing match with one of the kids in the talent show. That'd be good. That was his talent. Uh, so we've had we've had a uh, a serious 
crime committed here in New Orleans, which is rare. We've had a happening. We've had a happening. We've had um, one of the auxiliary Confederate monuments has been vandalized. This is the monument to Father Abram J. Ryan, the poet and priest of the Confederacy, um, which is located near the Jefferson Davis one that is gone. But apparently... Um, an anarchist group that calls itself the Real Meow Meow Liberation Front Dash Professional Party Planning Committee has vandalized <laughs> another monument. Do you think that's a combination of two formerly existing groups that um, uh, <laughs> yeah, then hyphenated their name? After, yes, like I think there was a reconciliation process, a long reconciliation process between the Professional Party Planning Committee and the Real Meow Meow Liberation Front, <laughs> and that um, yeah, Truth and Reconciliation Committee. And they came together, um, and they left a note, apparently, that said, provided hammers and chisels for your pleasure, brought to you with just an easy bit of embezzled tax dollars. Hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite things in this monument controversy is, like, the different, the drastic difference in the ability between the competing groups to understand irony. Oh, Yeah. Um, so we also have right now, like, the Sons of Confederate Veterans and, like, the Mississippi Patriot Squad and, like, the best Monument Boys are all in town. They wear, like, camouflage pajamas and stuff and salute each other. Um, and then you have the real Meow Meow Liberation Front. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, anyway, those guys are there. I, I, try, I try to get away from talking about this Monument stuff, but as um, Quest from Take Em Down Nola put on Twitter this week, like when you cut down the grass, all the snakes should come out, um, which I think is true. So we've also had this week the charter school principal who claimed he was accidentally had his photograph taken at the night we thought the Lee Monument was going to come down. And so I kind of believed him at first because I was like, you know, I was there that night and it was kind of a lot more mixed, a lot more mixing in of groups than there was usually. Like it was possible that his picture was taken in front of a Confederate flag. It could happen. And then the next day, these videos came out of him wearing a helmet, wearing all these Nazi rings and with a shield that says, uh, uh, come and take them. I think he also accidentally appeared on a radio show. Uh, yeah, he's on was, a podcast. Yeah, uh, accidentally on a um, uh, white supremacist podcast. He slipped yeah, and fell. I think he slipped and fell and ended up on... <laughs> on uh, on my boy, Bass Dick Man, Kyle Chapman's podcast. <laughs> Um, Kyle, Kyle Chapman, who raised a lot of money saying he was coming to New Orleans to beat all of us up and then decided he had a family obligation. I probably, family obligation. you know, you got family. Families well, first. Yeah, not, getting, not getting run out of New Orleans is a pressing obligation. Um, anyway, I mean, I think there's a lot to go into that story. We don't have to today, but it's one of those crazy things. Like, you... There's so many different threads to it. One, like, I find the charter school movement to be so problematic anyway. There's another thing. The principal's a Nazi. But I guess that could happen at a public school and probably has. But another is, like, you hear, you know, it's easy to say, like, maybe you shouldn't trust white people. But then it's, like, in this instance, this guy worked at, a, like, predominantly African-American school. And it was kind of like a school for kids who had, like, kind of been pushed out of other schools and it's like, oh, here it is. Like, we really want you to succeed and get your education. Um, by the way, your principal's an honest to god Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's really got your back with yeah. a big knife. <laughs> anyway, so that happened. Uh, 
Other things that happened in Southern stuff, I was just saying to you guys, I couldn't name a Greg Allman song if you told me I had to. And I know Greg Allman passed away, and that Southern rock is supposed to be a big deal, and Greg Allman's a big deal, and I don't say that flippantly, but I, I has never been a part of my existence to know anything about Greg Allman. Um, well, I'll say last night I went to see the Mountain Goats in uh, Houston, Texas. Oh, you lucky bastard i missed them here. and um the opening act was like the opening act greg allman. greg allman yeah no he said he would play any he kind of, he played a lot of cover songs and he got to a point in the in the set where he said i'll play anything i'll play any song and and of course everybody in the crowd started screaming free bird free bird free bird but i feel uh i screamed out whipping post um the Almond Brothers hit, and one guy beside, sitting beside me smiled, or standing beside me, smiled, and then the guy went on to play the, uh, the the theme song from Mash, and <laughs> so he didn't really mean any song. Yeah, he didn't mean any he song. Meant the, he meant the song he wanted to play. Yeah, he was just hoping somebody would scream theme song from Mash, and um, any song and, written by Robert Altman's kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so Footloose. Uh, the butt, <laughs> yeah. uh, freak nasty, all of those. Say hi, Nico. All right, all right. So anyway, so why don't we move on? Why don't we just get into the movie thing? Because uh, last show was like an hour and forty minutes long, so uh, we'll just go ahead and get into the movie. We'll cut time. people so, break. Cut, yeah, cut you. Thanks, guys, for listening to all of this. Mm-hmm. All, all ten thousand of you out there. Um, so I think we kind of gave our criteria last week and I'm wondering, like, did your criteria for worst other movies change at all? Were you like more flexible, less flexible? Um, my, my criteria changed because, um, I think that each of mine is horrible in a different way. I mean, there's a lot of horrible movies that I like, even though I know they're horrible. Yeah. Uh, and I would say there's not many movies that I think are great. But I don't like them anyway. But it's easy to like movies that you can see their aesthetic. Like I, um, I sort of debated 2000 Maniacs. But in okay. a lot of ways, it's really entertaining and fun. And it's so, um, um, you know, it's doing what it's trying to do. Yeah. Chad, did you change your criteria at all? I don't know. I don't think so. I think my criteria is still the same. And I don't know if I said that. I meant to say this last time, but Smokey and the Bandit almost made it onto my... I was. I debated about Smokey and the Bandit. That's right. I debated. Of course you did. Yeah, it was very close. It was like number six. Or it's maybe 5B or 5, 5.5. It was 5.5. Yeah. It's, it's a watchable, watchable film. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, also speaking of that, like, so I was thinking after the last show, I was like, oh, I meant to talk about that movie and I meant to talk about that one and I should have brought that up. Were there any from last week for it being the best movies about the South that you forgot to mention that, you, that are in the, were into the discussion? I, I had a much longer list that I didn't get to everything on it, but I don't mm-hmm. know that I need to. It, um, uh, they were good movies, yeah. but... Yeah. Oh, I felt kind of bad I left off Porky's. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten that Porky's was Southern. I didn't, it's Florida. I didn't really feel bad about that. But I, I did, I meant to mention like uh, Ruby in Paradise, which is really, really oh, good. Yeah. And I I didn't want to watch it again because it's so depressing that I just left it off the list. 
Um, and David, you had brought up Winner's Bone, which I always hear is really good. I just never watched. Oh, yeah, I didn't either. Also, that could have gone into our discussion of what's Southern, since I think it's Missouri. Is that where it is? Or is it Missouri? Uh, it's in the Ozarks so somewhere. Right. Maybe. Okay. Ah, but Ozarks, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, Ozarks, that's like Appalachia, right? Like at some point, like Ozarks are definitely Southern, but Missouri is definitely not Southern, but the Ozarks go into Missouri. Well, the Ozarks are on the other side of the Mississippi, so they're not Appalachia, but they're, but they're very well, no, similar. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like Appalachian that that geographical region transcends state lines, yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'll have to a lot of stuff, but like Porky's too. I maybe would have thought <laughs> about, um, it's been a long time. I would like to watch this again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But Nashville, the, speaking of Robert Altman, um, I don't know. So I, I wonder if that was going to come up, and I will make a confession that I don't like Robert Altman movies, and I've tried really hard to like Robert Altman movies, and I just get really bored with Robert Altman movies, but I accept that he's probably really good. It's just not something for me. Because they're three and a half hours long. Um, yeah, and aside from Popeye, of course. Yeah. Popeye is excellent. Mm-hmm. There are some that I like. Uh, Nashville, I could never make it through. Man, I would like to... I. I remember I, I remember a lot of good things about Nashville and sometimes like in different different cases clips have come up and I was like, Oh yeah, like that's a really good clip but then I kinda wonder I would like to go back and before I put any stamp on it of approval, I would like to go back and watch it again from start to finish. And yeah, like it's real and then also thinking about just my list in general my list would probably be different this week. I would probably have five, maybe not this Maybe not five completely different movies, but I would probably have different movies. I think that's the thing; it's always going to change, right? Yeah. And I will watch Nashville again. Rewatch Nashville at some point. Well, I hope you. I hope you have a week off. Yeah. When I have a week off. <laughs> so, why don't we get into the best, the, the worst five movies? Since we talked about that, so the worst five. Who do you want to start with? Do you want me to start again? Uh, yes, but first, are we going to um, uh, do a oh, center square? square? Center square? I think so. I think Gone with the Wind should be the center square. Okay, good. I left it off my list I, on the assumption that would probably be the case. Yeah, me too. I figured. I figured Gone with the Wind is pretty universally universally by us not liked. Yeah. Well, frankly, I don't. I don't give a damn about. Yes. About Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Um, okay, so yeah, C- Center Square, like, uh, Sorry, Mom. just the way To Kill a Markenberg was for great movies, but Gone with the Wind, uh, yeah, crap movie um, for lots of lots of really prominent reasons. All right, so I guess I'll start with mine. So my number five is a movie in the city of New Orleans called Interview with a Vampire. Uh, the Master. Based on the, yeah, based on the Anne Rice yeah, based on the Anne Rice book from 1974, my neighbor Anne, uh, we trick or treat her house on Halloween. Um, and you know, I read the book. It's like one of those books you read when you're a teenager. It's, it's whatever. It's a very readable book. Like it's not good. I don't know. It's what it is. It's fine. Like you can read it on an airplane. Um, but I, I just remember. I remember going to see the movie in the theater, and I don't like. I don't ever walk out of a movie I paid for. I don't. And I don't, like, leave a sporting event early. I don't walk out of movies. And this movie, I remember me and my girlfriend, like, my girlfriend left. She said, I'll see you later. Like, 
there's life, these old hands still. Not quite furioso. Moderato. Potable, perhaps. How could it be? Ask the alligator. His blood helped. Then on the diet of the blood of snakes, toads, and all the putrid life of the Mississippi. Slowly, the stat became something like himself again. Claudia, you've been a very, very Thirty minutes into the movie, and I sat there at a, I sat through it, but it was like this is not great. And I was trying to think about why I remember it being not great. And I think one of it is just like you know, uh, Brad Pitt. I like a lot of his movies. He's a charismatic figure. He's not a particularly good actor. I don't think is that safe to say? Is that okay to say in public? Um, but you know, he's not that interesting in the movie. And Tom Cruise, who I think is a really good actor, is not particularly interesting in the movie. Um, and the whole this doesn't come across as l- ridiculous in the book but the whole crux of the movie is that Lestat is so miserable in his life that he gets turned into a vampire because his life is so empty because he's a plantation master <laughs> so he's a plantation master and the miserable thing into him is that he feels kind of empty with all of it and so the kind of good thing the interesting thing about the Anne Rice book kind of starts to become the, the crappy thing about this movie, which is that Anne Rice actually uses these events in, like, the history of New Orleans and the surrounding areas and, like, works them into the story. So, you know, there was this really famous, the uh, German Coast Slave Revolt of, like, 1811, I think is supposed to be represented in here. But instead of, you know, that was led by a enslaved man named Charles Desalons. I, I believe that's who did it. Um, and, you know, he was killed when this rebellion failed and his head was chopped off and like put on a post and all this horrible stuff. But in the movie, the rebellion occurs because there's vampires that they're really upset about the vampires that are hanging around the plantation. <laughs> wow. and, and like, you know, just, yeah. And like Lestat and Lewis, there's just, they're just kind of miserable, miserable. This And they go to new Orleans and then, Oh, there's yellow fever. It's so miserable for them. They have to go to Europe. So it just seems, it's just really ridiculous. Like, like very puffed up kind of European story about these two guys. And I just found one, it's not a great movie. And two, like, I don't care about their stupid problems. And the third, it does a thing. Some other movies do where it can't figure out how to turn a book into a movie. So it tries to like, kind of insert the narrator into it somehow and it gets kind of weird. Anyway, so yeah, Interview the Vampire did not like well, it. Well, also, well, I you think... you know you're... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that the reason why... That's why Robert... Uh, Robert E. Lee, all his slaves, returned after he freed them because he killed all the vampires on his plantation. So oh, so he re- they returned to work for him happily because it was one of the few places without vampires. <laughs> so he was a great general after he all. Was. A great man. <laughs> Well, he wasn't wasn't a great general. He was a great vampire killer. Uh, <laughs> he and Abe Lincoln teamed up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, David. You were going to the saddle. You, had, you probably had a better I, point than I did about. Well, Robert mine was Lee just that you know that you're in 
a place where there's some pretty serious cultural appropriation going on when vampires are appropriating your culture. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of cultural vampires, as it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They need to check their vampire privilege. Um. <laughs> yeah, you guys live eternal lives. Um. Uh, you can accrue wealth over generations. <laughs> Who are you? All right. So that's my number five. I guess we'll keep it the order we did last time. David, you are next. Okay. Well, I figured we wouldn't have Gone with the Wind. And one of my problems with doing Gone with the Wind would be that there's funny, campy, exciting things that happen in that movie. So that it, I find it morally repulsive. But uh, it's not unwatchable or anything. On the other hand, there is a movie called Rain Tree County. It must have been beautiful. Oh, it was, Johnny. It was all white when I was a little girl. That was a um, sort of an attempt to capitalize on the popularity of Gone with the Wind. And it was one of the most boring movies ever made. And it was just horrible because it was a big, boring soap opera set in the South uh, with no point whatsoever that I could figure out. I saw it when I was a kid, and the 4 o'clock, the the early show, they called it the 4 o'clock movie after I got home. I'd been out playing in the barn and um, came in and watched Rain Tree County and... uh, yeah, it was just bad. I don't have much more to say about it than just that it was boring, and that's a criteria for a bad movie. You know, when I was talking about how something like 2000 Maniacs can be a horrible movie, and yet it's not boring, and so it has redeeming qualities, this didn't even have um, kitsch value. So that's, that's never, number five. I've never heard of this movie. It had uh, uh, Montgomery Cliff. Rock Hudson, uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, but there's oh, really? a reason that you never heard of it. It was <laughs> just a disaster. And at the time, it, it's kind of surprising it's not more famous as a disaster because it was the most expensive movie ever made at the time that it was made. Wow. Yeah. They wanted some of that going with the wind money. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. yeah, that's it for my number five. I'll have to check that out. All right, Chad, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to start with Big Mama's House. Uh, that is. <laughs> I actually look, looked at that and thought about it. So I couldn't pull the trigger, so I'm glad you because did. Because it takes place <laughs> in the, uh, it's the, it's the uh, um, Martin Lawrence vehicle where he uh, <laughs> plays, he is a FBI agent undercover uh, as a, as a black uh, grandmother as a black stereotype and kind of like the reason why I hate it. I feel like this movie um, oh man this is kind of I will say like my like my my this sort of paved the way for all the sort of Tyler Perry movies which my mother and other people really loved to like oh like black people can just be so funny like when they go mm, mm, child and uh, are you know fat and make fart jokes and you know and then uh, and just I and I I kind of feel this is responsible because there's he's he plays an older one he wears a fat suit and plays a grandma and wears a white wig and he's obviously a man but everyone thinks he's a a woman and he gets to see 
some hot girls naked, I think, at one... I might be mixing... That might be one of the later movies, but, you know, there's some awkward scenes where he he's, you know, and he has to give some grandmotherly wisdom, which is... Um, Martin Lawrence-esque. Martin Lawrence-esque. And, and I just kind of feel like it just, like... Is it sassy? It is sassy, yeah. yeah. And... So that's one of my favorite ongoing jokes in Thirty Rock is uh, kind of the that Tracy Jordan just makes Martin Lawrence movies. <laughs> yeah, like who, like who that ninja, who that honky grandma be tripping? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I just, so that's my that's my number five. That's my number five. Um, I had a comment about that. Uh, yes. Which is the the Martin Lawrence um or the not Martin Lawrence but the um uh, Medea movies those came out of actually something different which was the black theater circuit in um the southern US and on the east coast I'm not sure if it's all over now it's what they used to call the Chitlin circuit well but i guess and, like um, yeah. no go ahead go ahead go ahead sorry there's things like diary of a mad black woman and i didn't even know that it existed because it the the circuit doesn't stop in Knoxville Tennessee for some reason <laughs> but when i moved to new orleans i started seeing all these uh live oh, theater yeah. things happening that were advertised on tv and all and, yeah, uh, we have Tyler Perry billboards like in Central City, but it's funny. It depends like what neighborhood you're in, whether you get a Tyler Perry billboard up or not. Yeah, but I guess mm-hmm. like my pro, I mean my, yeah, like I, like with like with this movie, like with Big Mama's House and with other, I think it's like a, I don't know. I mean, it's just a, it's a like a, my certain certain people in my family and certain people I know is like, oh, look, look how look how hilarious black people are in real life. Like, this is like a... And yeah. The documentary. Oh, okay, excuse me, y'all. Let's close this, okay? You don't want your business waving all in the air. Oh, no, no! I said close them! They don't close! Well, then, maybe that's how you got this way in the first place. Justice, baby! Wait. Yeah, it's like a documentary about crazy black people. This is how black grandmas are. And, and you big... could be right that it kind of opened the door for those plays to be made into movies yeah. when they saw that there was a market for it that it that crossed racial lines. Yeah, that I don't. It, it's like the whole. It's like the whole. Like uh, I guess I don't know. Maybe I should check my vamp. I should check my vampire privilege. But <laughs> it's like the uh, it's like the Dave Chappelle thing about like are you being are you being are are people right. laughing with you or are they laughing at you? Yeah. So, and yeah. and the people that I've watched these movies with are laughing at and yeah. So I don't know. That's my the, honky grandma be tripping. <laughs> honky grandma be tripping. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, that that leads in. To our number four round. So number four for me, I have wonderful feeling, feeling this way. The South, the 1946 joint Disney RKO 
take on the Uncle Remus tales. Um, and this one was kind of so controversial for Disney that they've never released it for home video. But they did base the ride Splash Mountain on it. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, so if, if your movie is too racially problematic to release on home video, you just make a ride about it. Uh, but it's, you know, I think there's even, there's a probably a lot better conversation to be had about whether Joel Chandler Harris was actually, like, what, what his intentions are. I think it's separate from the movie. But the, the movie itself, if you haven't seen it, um, you know, and I kind of grew up on it. I don't even, I guess I watched it, but even the songs from it and stuff, and I liked it. I never thought about how problematic it was uh, until, until later. But, you know, it's based in post-Civil War, based in the Reconstruction era South, but it's based around a little boy named Johnny or Jimmy who goes back to his grandparents' plantation and hangs out with former enslaved person Uncle Remus, who's like a really happy-go-lucky guy on mm-hmm. the plantation that he was enslaved on. Um, and so even at the time when it was released, it was seen as a problem. Like, uh, like the producer of the movie said, this is his quote, the Negro situation is a dangerous one. Between the Negro haters and the Negro lovers, there are many chances to run afoul of situations that could run the gamut all the way from the nasty to the controversial. Um, and even the Hayes office, which was like the movie censorship office, asked Disney to be certain that the frontispiece of the book for it mentioned that the dates are after the Civil War, that it's a Reconstruction era movie. Um, mm-hmm. And the head of the NAACP at the time, whose name was Walter White, uh, he did not make drugs and sell them in <clears throat> Albuquerque, but... Uh, he said, this is his quote, um, the NAACP recognizes that Song of the South is a remarkable artistic merit in music and combinations of living actors and cartoon technique. It regrets, however, that in an effort neither to offend audiences in the North or South, the production helps to perpetuate a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. Making use of the beautiful Uncle Remus folklore, Song of the South unfortunately gives the impression of an idyllic master-slave relationship, which is a distortion, distortion of the facts. So I think that's exactly the problem with the movie, right? It's got, like, the zippity doo song. It's got, like, all this stuff that we kind of probably remember from our childhood if you're a certain age. But if you never give it a critical analysis, you start to think that this is some kind of... Like, this starts to give you a really uh, stilted picture of what Reconstruction was. So Song of the South is my number four. I, they release that movie ever, or they used to release that movie every once in a while the way that Disney did, and it'd go back through the theaters. Mm-hmm. But I never saw it. I knew it was really controversial, and I thought it was kind of weird when John Boehner uh, resigned that he walked out of the press conference singing Zippity Doo Dah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think his kind of conscious went in that direction very much. No, I uh, no. <laughs> That's like when, I don't even remember when the Republicans retook the uh, Georgia State House. Uh, the, whoever was their leader at the time said, free at last, free at last. <laughs> Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Yeah. Exactly. So, yep, that was my number four. All right. Well, my number four is, um, I said that each of these kind of had a different reason. And the last one was... Um, um, just being boring. This one is, it's a type of movie and it's a kind of, I guess what you might call a exploitation movie. I think that's what they call them sometimes. And it's 
Walking Tall was a really surprising hit. It made a lot of money, and all things considered, and it was pretty low budget. And so they started cranking out tons of similar sorts of movies that um, uh, didn't make so much money. And my parents, who had liked Walking Tall, I think this came out in 74, so I was 11, um, they wanted to go to the drive-in. They weren't really movie people, but they uh, wanted to go see this because they were kind of excited by the surge of Southern-themed movies in the early 70s. And uh, it's called Ride in a Pink Car. And um, Robert J. Emery directed it. It has William Kerwin in it, who is a character actor that you might recognize if you... um, Looked around some, and then a lot of not very attractive people, um, <laughs> and uh, a little bit of, a, of somebody riding around in a pink convertible, if I remember right. I was eleven, so I don't remember it that much. I just remember how angry my father was that we had paid money <laughs> for this. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, what, I'm really number street? four in the worst movies uh, the, uh, ever about the South is My Father's Anger. <laughs> Which would actually be a great movie. If you could yeah. Movie. That, that, would, that would be a good one, actually. Um, he was pretty good at it. But, uh, it's a, <laughs> but basically, it's a story about a guy who comes, he, who everybody thinks is dead, and he comes back to his hometown in Florida, and he finds that his wife's remarried, and that everything's corrupt in the town, so he uh, starts setting to fixing it all. I don't remember if he used a big two two before or not. Mm. Also, I've never heard of this movie. No, nobody has. It's like, it's like there's almost, it's got an IMDB page, but other than that, I couldn't find much of anything about it. Actually, when I was trying to find it, I, all I could find was uh, images and things about Little girls riding around in Minnie Mouse cars. Apparently, there's a pink <laughs> car, and so all my image searches came up with the little girls riding around in uh, 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 Minnie Mouse cars. Or uh, you Barbie, might want to clear Barbie your browser cars. history. So yeah, that's it. Um, 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 ride in a pink car is number four for me. <laughs> you might want to clear your browser history before you apply for a teaching job. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely know that I do. Oh, you mean about the little girls in the cars? Yeah, that too. Yes, yes. All right, Chad, what's your number four? Uh, mine is a uh, it's a story of of uh, family. It's a story of uh, revenge. It's a story of uh, a, a young man named Truman Gates. It's uh, Next of Kin, uh, starring Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson. I- is Detective Truman Gates. He's a country boy. We are gonna find Gerald's killer. But he's got some unfinished business in the city. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that movie. This is, um... It's star... I looked up... I had not... Um... 
It is about Patrick Swayze, and he's I think he's married to uh, Helen Hunt, and he he goes to become like a police officer in Chicago. Like he moves from the coal mine, and That's actually I didn't right. check. This might be West Virginia. I don't know if this is Kentucky or not. This might he might be West Virginia. Uh, but uh, it's in some I, or it may not it may not even state it may just be somewhere in coal country I think it says coal country Ohio coal country USA and it's where he lives um, and his brother is he has a young he has two brothers Bill Paxton and Liam Neeson and Bill Paxton <laughs> what a family yeah so they all look yeah so imagine what their parents were um, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So they are um, twins. So what is it? Yeah, like uh, I think Patrick Swayze is a he's a he was a police officer in in, in uh, Colcart. Oh no, my note. Okay, so my notes say yeah they work in it is Kentucky. So I'm sorry, I, Ohio. Uh, yeah, Kentucky, Ohio. Um, <laughs> and so the coal mine closes, and like true. Um, the Bill Paxton ends up getting involved with like the mob, and and uh, and he gets killed, and so uh, Liam and uh, Liam and Pat like Liam talks Patrick Swayze. He insists on a traditional mountain blood feud, and <laughs> and it's Adam oh, yeah. Baldwin. Adam Baldwin is the. Uh, do you know Adam Baldwin? He, he's not a Baldwin yes, brother, but he he's a no, he he's looks the, like. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, he looks like he could. Uh, Firefly. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, I actually I'll be like in my bunk. Him. Yeah. So yeah, he's likable on screen, horrible in real life. Yeah. That's what I gather. Yeah. So he's like the um, he's like the the muscle, and and there's a a very fat like in the trailer, in the trailer to this like Patrick Swayze is talking to him and he says I'm coming and hell's coming with me, and. And then they walk out of the trailer. Yeah, and they walk out. Of the, they walk out of the trailer. <laughs> and I think also, uh, according to the, I don't remember this, but Ben Stiller is like the <laughs> is in this movie as like the son of like the boss of like the mob boss. And oh, I thought maybe he was like the other brother that they never let out of like the abandoned mine <laughs> that they kept like caged up in there. Oh, so I just remember this was like I remember like this was like the. Uh, I guess like after when I found out Walking Tall, there was a like art. It could be art and it could be entertainment and it could be good and bad at the same time. This was like the this was like the inverse. Like this went the other way. Like it can be bad and good, and sometimes it can be too bad. And 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 this it was just sort of a lot of violence and a lot of uh, just um, uh, just absurd violence and a lot of. Like a lot of good old boys going, a lot of out of work coal miners going after the like Italian, and I think like the the ba- like Adam Baldwin and like it was all like Italian. They were all like, hey, you know, like Soprano like style, <laughs> like Italian uh, mobsters too, like in this. So it was like the very stereotype. We're gonna make you eat the gabagool. <laughs> yeah, hey, we, hey, let's get rid of these hillbillies and get a slice. Hey, <laughs> you know, like a, a bow and arrow, like an arrow goes through the pizza. Like, I think there was the there were like scenes like like bows and arrows, like where like there were like ambu- <laughs> there were ambushes. Like I, I do remember like an ambush with but like involving bow and arrows. Like, yeah. Were they all like, Appalachian? I don't know if they like, were. Did they? <laughs> Did they have dynamite on that arrow? 
<laughs> like Pat, Patrick Swayze is like swinging through Chicago driving a Trans Am with like Liam Neeson hanging out the sunroof with a bow and arrow <laughs> dynamite on it just light it up <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that movie yeah, yeah that looks, sounds awesome yeah. I, I am going to watch this movie now yeah. and Oh my yep, lord! Next of Ken and Ben Stiller's like I'm gonna, I'm five foot two. I'm gonna take out Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Um. By the way, here's my improv character. I'm workshopping. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> my boss's son. Hey, um. <laughs> my dad's a famous Jewish comedian. <laughs> hey. hey, I'm Italian. <laughs> hey. Um. Oh, very nice. Okay, I guess it's back around to me. So, back to number three is another 1994... No, the book was 1994. It's a a movie made from a book. The book is good. The movie is awful. It's Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Life is nasty, brutish, and short. From Academy Award winner Clint Eastwood. You looking for something? An invitation... Now sit back, relax, enjoy your brandy, and tell me your life story, John Kelso. To a quiet community. Jim suggested that I introduce you around. But if we could just keep that between us. An intimate community. How'd you know my name? Welcome to Savannah. Chablis is a pretty name. The Lady Chablis. I got it off a wine bottle. A cool white wine for a cool black girl. This place is fantastic. It's like Gone with the Window in Mescaline. Um, by, directed by Clint Eastwood who I love, even though he's also probably a bad person. Uh, I love uh, the Iger Sanction. I love Gran Torino. I love uh, all of his movies, pretty much, although he can be hit and miss sometimes. But I thought Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil was terrible. And even above and beyond being a terrible movie, it just, like, it just shat all over the book. Which I... The book's, like, not, like, great literature, but it's a good, it's a good book. It's a good true crime book. I like it. Um... But the movie comes to this problem where, because it's a nonfiction book, the, the narrator's not really in the book very much. He's telling you the story that he saw. So they can't figure out how to do this in a movie. So they just decide, well, we'll make him a character in the in the movie. We'll just make him a character. And But the, then they start walking a line where he's kind of, it's, it's played by John Cusack, who I also like a lot. But he's, like, doing it for comedy, kind of. It's like, oh, look, it's wacky. It's a wacky murder mystery. And then the other characters are playing it really straight. Like, Kevin Spacey is the the murder suspect. And he's playing it, like, really straight and serious. And then John Cusack's being, like, wacky and goofy. And so, like, nothing about it works. And worse than that is it seems to be, like, that nobody... Nobody understood the setting or the characters, it seems like, especially Clint Eastwood. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, there are these, like, Savannah, is this Savannah, right? Uh, Savannah is kind of like, New Orleans in a way is an old school uh, kind of southern town, like aristocratic town. But they don't know when to, like, play these things for comedy and when to, like, play them for drama. Uh, so it just hits like this really strange tones. And they do have one of the interesting parts is Lady Chablis, who's the real person from the book, who's a local uh, trans woman drag queen. It's in the movie, but I feel like she's kind of the best part of the movie, but it's kind of wasted because she has these really great actors playing 
roles they don't know is drama or comedy around her. And yeah, it just really misses the point. It could have been good, and instead it's just silly and frivolous and not worth watching, even though it has John Cusack, Jude Law, um, all these people I normally like, Clint Eastwood. It just doesn't work as a movie. I think maybe part opinion. of the problem is that, um, I mean, the, uh, one of w- one of many problems is... Lady Chablis, 97 wasn't all that long ago. It was 20 years, mm-hmm. but um, I think partly they just didn't know how to have a cross-dressing person and it not be a joke. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's one of the things that bothers me about it. Is Yeah, it's like, partly it's like, oh, isn't this crazy we have Lady Chablis in here? And it's like, no, she's ob- she's the coolest thing about this production. She's obviously an interesting person. And they kind of, and the people in the book who are interesting people, they kind of, in the movie, they're just not interesting. They're just, and like Jude Law is supposed to be the character. I think he's like, like the kind of rebel, uh, Southern guy, but he's also kind of known as like, uh, sleeping with kind of the aristocratic gay guys around town, but they don't really get like, I mean, I think that's a character that, that exists in real life and they don't really get it right at all it seems like he's playing a part from like movies he's seen I don't know it just doesn't work it hits the wrong notes all around and Kevin Spacey got to trot out his horrible southern accent before (laughs) House of Cards before House of Cards I could never figure out what his House of Cards accent is I enjoy it but I don't know what it is (laughs) I think it's like Foghorn if like Foghorn Leghorn and the Confederate flag had a child and, which they tried to for years. They went through artificial insemination. They, you know, they thought about adopting. They went through the whole process. All right, so that's mine. So, David, what is your number three? Uh, my number three is one that's going to come up because it's all five on your list, and oh, it's yeah. Forrest Gump. And yep, I'll so just say a couple of things about it. And then uh, save the big discussion for when it appears a little higher up the list. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, I just, the, I remember when it came out, one of my friends, who I won't mention the name, uh, said, Dan Quayle had to have something to do with making this movie. <laughs> the idea that stupidity is virtue. Uh, it's, another, it's another movie based on a book. In the book, his uh, ignorance, innocence, stupidity led to horrible things happening all the time. It had uh, He left a swath of destruction behind himself, uh, blowing people up in Vietnam by um, not knowing how a pressure cooker works and killing his fellow soldiers. And it was way, way dark and over the top. And it just turned into this idea that if you're just sweet enough... That uh, all of life is yours. That life will meet that sweetness in uh, on its own terms. And I found that dreadful. And also a million uh, horrible southern tropes and on and on. So, yeah, yeah. plenty of uh, bad for- things to say about Forrest Gump. But uh, I, we probably ought to move on if, if it's going to appear further up the list. Oh, I think it might. I think it's a good... Okay, so let's let's keep going. What about you, Chad? Uh, the next, I will uh, say Requiem for a Dream. Maid Marian, welcome. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you 
see me? Yes, sir. Okay for work. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Yes, sir. Okay for work. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Yes, sir. Okay for work. Can you hear me? Um, and ah. Was that Southern? Well, there was a part of it. There's a very... That's what I'm wondering. There was a very painful part of it that took place in the South. Like, it's uh, the drug... The um, Darren, how do you say Darren? The uh, Arnowski, his second film, his follow-up film to Pi, and I remember I really enjoyed Pi because it's about math. It was about well, it wasn't really about math, but it was tangentially about math. Um, And this was a film about uh, drug addicts, and they had to. There was a drug to go, I guess, to get more heroin. They had to take. They had to drive to Miami, and they ended up driving back through, I think, South Carolina, and they ended up getting, like, found by... They ended up getting picked up by these uh, police, and, like, the police just automatically put them in a chain gang, um, like, in the 19... 19- <laughs> the way they do. Yeah, and so they just ended up automatically, like, on a chain... And I think they were... Maybe it was a South Carolina. Like, they were... They had to drive to Miami, I think, and buy drugs... And it was, uh, who's it, Marlon Wayans and Jared Leto, I think, were the two people that were coming. They were, and they were driving back, and they were like, oh, well, what's a, a black person and a white person doing together in South Carolina? It must be about drugs. And next thing you know, they're in a chain gang um, that's like 10, you know, that's like um, Cool Hand Luke, like the fifth power. And it seemed like a really long time. Like, it seemed like that was a big chunk of the movie while, like, Jennifer Connelly was just going nuts, like, in New York City, like, waiting for them to come back. And they, um, I think, I forget what happened to Marlon Wayans. I think he might have maybe died or they might have cut it. They cut his arm off, I think, in prison. And, um, and. uh, How much arm cutting off was there in that movie? uh, A lot. A lot. (laughs) Um, enough, and and that's the just that kind of just over the. I remember just I remember not really enjoying the movie, and then I remember just wanting it to be over, and then I thought it was going to be over, and we they ended up driving through South Carolina, and ended up they ended up in a chain gang for what seemed like a very long. It might not. It might have only been a few minutes, but it seemed like a very, <laughs> and everyone had very thick like. I don't know, like Mississippi accent, very thick Southern <laughs> accents, and welcome to South Carolina. We gonna show you is how to get on a chain gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Do you like barbecue? Mm-hmm, yeah, and I think they constantly refer. I mean, I don't know. This might. I mean, they constantly refer to Marlon Wayne's as boy. I think I'm saying boy, and and um. And I mean, and then he then he tried to eat fifty boiled eggs. Yeah, and then he tried to eat fifty boiled eggs, and maybe I'm getting confused, but um, no. But I just I remember just that being like an excruciating part of the movie, and that's always kind of I, I never <laughs> in a movie that's excruciating that stands out as the excruciating. <laughs> yeah, part. that does that stands out as the most excruciating part. Uh, Mar- There's no non excruciating part of that movie. Marlon Wayans and Jared Leto being on a chain gang. I think maybe what was really <laughs> the worst part of it is what I thought the movie was almost over at that point, and then like they stretched it out for another thirty minutes, and with this this complete caricature of. Of um and like there was no like yeah there was like no they didn't go I mean I know 
chain gangs are still a thing, but um, it was just like, oh yeah, like we're, we arrested you and you automatically go in the chain gang. I thought people liked that movie and I hated it so much. I'm so glad to hear that other people hate that movie. God, too. I, I've always. I. Well, people like it because Jennifer Connelly's naked in it. That's mainly what you hear. Yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. She was not on the. She was not. I mean, I think it's well known for being an excruciating movie, right? It's like hard to watch. Yeah, that's the thing about it. And so sometimes movies like that get a lot of play because people think hard to watch means it's really good. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, not. Um. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we're up to number two. Um, Mm Hmm. So I kind of mentioned last week, my number two is Prince of Tides. I wish again that there were two lives apportioned to every man and every woman. At the end of every day, I drive through the city of Charleston. And as I cross the bridge that'll take me home, I feel the words building inside me. I can't stop them or tell you why I sing. But as I reach the top of the bridge, these words come to me in a whisper. I say them as prayer, as regret, as praise. I say, no one's dead. And part of that is because I like the book a lot. I like Patrick Conroy. I think Prince of Tides is a very good book. But with the movie, kind of what they did was like suck out all the parts of the book that I thought were good, uh, throw them away, and try to package the movie um, as... like It just kind of lost all its depth, it seemed like to me. Um, and it, pig- it still includes... So if you haven't read, Prince of Tides is about... Uh, a family with an abusive father and the father like makes money and loses money and and there's a traumatic incident that happens where they have a home invasion uh, and the older sister is very talented and keeps committing suicide Um, but so part of the plot and of course my favorite part of the plot for obvious reasons are when the younger brother uh, so the mother okay so their mother is kind of a social climbing southern lady who'd been married to a poor shrimper well sometimes poor sometimes not shrimper she divorces him <laughs> marries a rich guy in town and is kind of trying to socially climb up the, the ladder right and so to do this she sells off the family land the younger brother who is a vietnam veteran navy seal doesn't take it well and decides to start a guerrilla war against the department of energy who's, by, who's bought the land because they're building a nuclear power plant um which this, as I'm saying it now, seems like a ridiculous plot, but is sort of possible in lots of places where, you know, just development. If you live anywhere on the coast and America, development is rampant. Um, and so that's the, and then he is killed in the process of doing this. And that kind of brings about the sister's suicide crisis, right? But they cut all of that out of the movie. And essentially what the movie about is directed by Barbara Streisand. It's kind of, to me, it seems like it's about how great Barbara Streisand is and about how cool New York is. And if that these people would just get out of uh, South Carolina, uh, much like the chain gang, if they just get out and come to New York, they would realize what the world's really about 
which is New York, and uh, they would fall in love with real people like Barbara Streisand. And so it just seems to me like it just made the whole point of the story kind of kind of shallow and cheap. So I, I was excited to see it. I went to see it. I thought it was terrible. So my number two is Prince of Tides. I didn't see that. Um, uh, you know, well, gay guys don't usually go see Barbara Streisand movies, so I just skipped <laughs> it. Um, but you didn't miss anything. Yeah, I saw the previews, and that was enough to tell me uh, that it wasn't anywhere that I needed to be. Uh, yeah, and it did well critically. I had a, like I like Roger Ebert's opinion on things a lot, and he really liked it. But it seemed like it was a lot of opinions by critics who. I don't know. I don't know necessarily what they were looking for in it. And it seemed like a really big miss, too. They could have... There's, like, one good shot in the movie. It's when they're going over, like, all of the kind of seagrass and stuff, like, on the coast. And that's kind of the famous beginning scene. But it's like they missed the opportunity because most of the movie takes place in an office in New York and then a few scenes, like, in Central Park. And it's like you're missing out on all of this story that takes place in, like, coastal South Carolina. And you're just not showing it. Anyway, I thought it was a big waste of of a good story um, but apparently Patrick Conroy was thrilled with it so there's that I imagine no, it didn't hurt his bank account and <laughs> I didn't know this uh, Jimmy Buffett made a concept album called Prince of Tides I did not know this oh mm-hmm. wow yeah so it can't be I'll bad if to. Jimmy Buffett <laughs> made a... it it can't be bad it can't be bad yeah I think Kenny Chesney's gonna make a cover album of the Jimmy Buffett album alright so that's my number two David what did you have uh, time to kill. Were you aware that if convicted, they might be freed in only 10 years? Yes, I heard people say that, yes, sir. Do you think men who kidnap a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who rape a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who hang a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Well, what do you think should happen to them? What would be a fair sentence? Objection, do you think Your they Honor. deserve to die, Mr. Hitty? Answer the question. Carly, don't answer that question. They deserve to die. Yes, don't. they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Standing in for everything horrible uh, John Grisham has ever done. <laughs> um, All of his I mean, I think that's maybe league. the worst of them. Although I didn't see, was it Runaway Jury? Was that him? Uh, there's a Rural few I Jury. haven't seen. And there's, uh, like, The Client, it had its moments. I, I found it pretty watchable. But uh, A Time to Kill because of its idea of the deep profound ethics of southern lawyers and <laughs> the um, it has a lot of actors that I like in it but uh, not doing a very good job and also struggling with a story where like a lawyer someone comes asks the lawyer to represent him and then says I'm going to go kill somebody and he doesn't do anything and that's seen as a moral rather than a legal dilemma and it's like if you tell your lawyer you're going to kill somebody (laughs) that's not protected by privilege it's like you're just an accessory to murder but that never really gets dealt with at all not even vampire privilege (laughs) exactly vampire lawyers are just as screwed as anybody else on that one (laughs) <laughs> but you're missing out on one very important point of law, and that is that, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't... I just watched this movie pretty recently. And, oh, um, you hadn't seen it. Okay. I didn't realize that that's where that line came from. 
all those times <laughs> I saw it on Dave Chappelle when I was watching the <laughs> Chappelle show over and over and over uh, again. Uh, I didn't realize that's you know, where he, it came from. He does that in the middle of a Roots album, too. They have him on a Roots album, and he just yells, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, but I'm glad he did it. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, we're supposed to think that it's okay for him to go and murder the people. It's clear that that's what we're supposed to think, and that anybody yeah. would and should do that. Well, that's what Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson would think. An eye for an eye. Yeah, and Samuel Jackson yeah. did not have a Trans Am and a dynamite crossbow. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. And also, I guess you have to, if you declare uh, a traditional mountain feud, blood feud, that's different. That's a little different. We, you can't do that in Mississippi. You can only pledge to meet at the crossroads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also at the end, the way that he convinces the jury is by saying, imagine this had happened to a little white girl. And in some ways, that's exactly what the movie has been doing all the way through and what the problem with a lot of movies, including uh, one a little higher up on my list, is trying to turn um, racial discrimination into something we can understand because it's really about the suffering of white people. It's not. <laughs> yeah, check your vampire privilege. So, so I get all the John Grisham ones confused. This is Matthew McConaughey, right? It is. It's one of his early movies, actually. And, yeah, where he's uh, like kind of sweaty, wearing the sweaty suits. He's a sweaty lawyer. Yeah. He's a, uh, excuse me, judge, i got to take my jacket off. I'm getting a little sweaty under the arm. <laughs> Joel Shoemaker does, uh, directed it. Oh, there you go. Uh so does McConaughey do like the end of the movie, like a whole last end half of the movie? He asks for a sidebar where he can take a shirt off. <laughs> your Honor, may I approach the bench? Excuse me, Judge. Your Honor, may your Honor, may I, may I approach the bench? I feel that it's a little hot in this courtroom, and I think I might need to take my shirt off. Don't you feel like it's a little close? <laughs> it's a little close in this hot in this courtroom. I think we're all familiar in here. Feeling a little familiar. <laughs> and. Uh, he re- that's when he realized right. the jury was all uh, all women. It was all wi- all um, <laughs> eighteen eighteen to twenty. And he did his closing argument with no no shirt on, no shirt on. Um, uh, he just had an American flag lapel yeah. pin stuck in his chest. Yeah. <laughs> one on each nipple. He had one on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, All right, so that's your number two. Chad, what's your number two? Okay, this is my, uh, I don't know. Um, we kind of talked about the, the one of the, I think we talked about one of these a little bit. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm a tie. The, I have a tie for second place, and um, uh, and I'm sort of troubled about it. These are movies that have kind of, tr- well, one of them definitely troubles me. One of them I hate, uh, and the other one kind of troubles me. But I'm, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and uh, The Lady Killers. And this motherfucker brings his bitch to the motherfucking waffle. Son of a bitch, punk. Shut your goddamn mouth. You better raise the fuck up, fuck up. You gonna back the fuck up. You gonna back that shit fuck up. What? What? Please, gentlemen, this behavior does you no credit in the eyes of your colleagues, nor in those of the other patrons of this waffle hut. Punk. Oh, look at this. I got blueberry syrup on my safari jacket. Um... 
Oh, yeah, the Lady Killers is a weird one. And the Lady Killers, I guess it's about the... I, I Well, I, it's about the Coen Brothers' portrayal. I mean, I love the Coen Brothers, and it's about their sort of portrayal of Southern... Um, I feel like I don't like they are kind of making fun of Southern characters, uh, as opposed to making endearing, trying to make, make making Southern characters that are endearing to us. Maybe as a like they, and I wonder. And also, I maybe there's somebody somebody in Minnesota right now is or South Dakota or North Dakota is thinking the same thing about. Fargo. Fargo. Um, so I kind of wonder. Garrison Keillor said that about Fargo. Uh, really? And yeah, which I found ironic since he made his whole career out of making fun of Southern and Western accents, that mm-hmm. it really bothered him that Fargo um, uh, seemed to him to make fun of um, Minnesotan and uh, Dakota accents. This is a complete digression, but i just like to put out the radical proposition that Garrison Keillor might not be a good person. Hmm. hmm. You think? Out there. Yeah, I don't know. I find him insufferable. Uh, me too. No. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to. Um, but I just and I kind of thought like maybe I'm just being a little bit thin skinned uh, about oh, I, oh brother where art thou and I'm, I'm gonna I'll get to the lady killers in a minute but then when I look back at like uh, like Barton Fink Barton Fink had good southern characters or was it it wasn't oh, southern character it, was it were there I mean it did have like a few like it had the it had the like the um, had a couple of good, I mean, but they weren't really, f- like, I don't know, they, I mean, it wasn't, their southerness wasn't part of, like, it didn't drive the story, like, whereas I felt, oh, Brother Where Art There, we were supposed to laugh every time that, uh, um, George Clooney, I mean, we were supposed to laugh every time he said paterfamilias, and, I mean, and the music was good, I mean, the story was not bad, but it just felt like, oh, like, people are laughing at, you're laughing at, Everybody, as opposed to laughing with these characters, um, and and I guess like the case, the Coen, the case against the Coen brothers and their and how they treat Southern characters does not is not helped with the Lady Killers, which was just a bad overall movie, a bad remake of. That movie's very confusing to me because I, yeah. I haven't. I can't remember. Really, I, I I saw it in the theater, and it strikes me as there's nothing... It should be a good movie. Like, it should... Everything in it should work, and, like, nothing in it works. It's just boring. Right. But it's, like... And I, the, and I can't figure out why. Yeah, and it's something... And just, like, Tom Hanks's uh, Southern Gentleman character is... I just find him insufferable. The same way, I guess, I find the f- soggy bottom boys insufferable. And that's kind of why I... I put them together, kind of just because I don't know, and I don't even know if I don't. Well, I definitely don't like the Lady Killers. Uh, I do like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but I kind of I still have trouble have reservations. I have reservations about it, and I just want I want them to be I want them to go on record my reservations. Um, but then again, I understand like that people in Minnesota and North like in that area may find all the the other. Um, and nihilist, nihilist, yeah, nihilists, um, <laughs> nihilists in Los Angeles might, and um, mobster, Irish mobsters, turn of the century Irish mobsters <laughs> might, might also feel this way, and sort of people living in trailer parks out in the middle of the Arizona desert might also. <laughs> you got me all wrong. <laughs> yeah, might feel this way. I'm fertile. 
I really, really hated Lady Killers. I, it was an incredible disappointment to me, and I hadn't seen the original. I think I might have gone back and watched at least part of it to see if it was as bad. And if it was as bad, to think why would they have ever thought this needed to be uh, remade. But, yeah, and um, especially Tom Hanks, who I like, and shows up in a couple of movies on our list. He's um, Forrest Gump, yeah. and he's this guy. He just, I think he just wasn't given the right stuff to work with. I think he fills whatever role they give him, and that one was just not very good. Um. Yeah, it seemed like the script was lacking or something. I it just didn't make any sense. The only part, the line of the movie I can remember is the "We need pancakes forthwith," but that's about it. Um, J.K. Simmons <laughs> is also in it, and it's kind of wasted. Mm. I like him a lot. Yeah, <laughs> his name in it is Garth Pancake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember, I think I saw it on like a date, and, and like I was like, "Well, this is strange." I'm completely bored. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Does that mean we're back around to number one? Yeah, I think we're there. Well, I know it's going to be a hard guess what my number one is. Mr. Gump, can you say hi to him? Hello, Mr. Gump. Hello. Can I go watch TV now? Yes, I can. Just keep it low. You're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me. I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too? My number one is 1994's Forrest Gump mm. by Robert Zemeckis with Tom Hanks. And, uh, yeah, not a good movie. So my uh, grandmother, Evelyn Chief, native Floridian, uh, said when this came out, um, I thought very uh, succinctly, she said, boy, don't they love us when we're stupid. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> And that's what I, she didn't like it either. So that was, uh, I that's what I didn't like about it. And it's like you already said, David, like a whole point of the movie is that uh, Southern people can be really fun when they're incredibly stupid. Um, and this goes again. Like, I don't there's so many examples we could give, like, you know, not just give the space program, but like, you know, Cape Canaveral's in the South. Uh where they build all the rockets in Huntsville, Alabama's in the south, where they test all the rocket engines is in Mississippi. Houston is where uh, Space Command is. It's like, you know, but Oak Ridge. No, Oak Ridge, yeah. Oak Ridge is where, you know, if you want to find, like, a nuclear scientist with eight PhDs, you go to Oak Ridge, right? Like, uh, most great American writers, I'll probably get in trouble saying that, but most great, like, are Southern, right? Great American music is Southern, but the kind of character we're going to take culturally to represent a Southerner is a guy who was born with a developmental disorder and has a really low IQ, right? And it's just that's supposed to be what's charming about him. And I don't find that charming at all. I find it ridiculous about him. And then, um, you know, all this is set pretty close to where I grew up. I think it's supposed to be like in Biola Battery or somewhere in Alabama. Um and it's like, you know, there's a lot of really smart people from there. And then he goes to Alabama, where I went, and it's supposed to be the kind of joke in there was, oh, yeah, it would make dumb people into Alabama. He can play football. And it's like, you know, there's that's kind of insulting as well. But the whole thing is just based around this conceit that, yeah, that's, that's the charming Southern character is the one that's just as stupid as possible. Um, and, you know, it's so, it's so patronizing to him throughout the whole movie 
Like, you know, his, uh, Jenny, the woman he's in love with, it, it turns out to be, you know, she just, she, she's patronizing to him the whole time. They have a child together that's patronizing. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole subplot about her dying from AIDS, which I also think is really problematic and stupid. And then uh, the Bubba character is also ridiculous uh, as the shrimper. Like, sh- I don't know. So I could keep going on and on. I just My whole central thesis is that it's popular. It would not have been popular if it was a movie about a smart Southerner. It's popular because it's a movie where the Southerner is as stupid as possible. That's my thesis on it. Well, and I wanted to say that um, you talked about him being developmentally delayed or whatever, mm-hmm. but if he had been that, mm-hmm. you know, if he had been, if the character had been played as somebody with um, um, uh, developmental delay, then maybe something more interesting or complicated could have happened, but that would harsh everybody's. Uh, high about right, right. Uh, how hilarious he was if he right, actually right. if there were something tragic about him and yeah. so by saying there's nothing tragic about him and by the way that it was sort of played that's why I use the word stupid mm-hmm. because the character is stupid rather than because yeah. of um, what he's supposed to represent which I'm not entirely sure even yeah yeah it's a weird you know in the, one of the one of my the funny things about this it would have made it even worse was John Travolta was the original choice for the role. Oh, um. <laughs> oh my lord! And, uh, wow. Can I can I jump the gun or jump David because this was number one on my list? To, or would that be fire blown up? Oh sure, yeah. No, I mean, this was so your force comes through for you. It was number one on my list, and um, okay. And yeah, isn't isn't in. the way that he gets into Alabama isn't like doesn't his mom have sex with like the the like the president of Alabama or is it the school? Like he goes to like some fancy prior. Doesn't isn't there? I thought it's because you ran in front of. In the movie, it's because he's running from bullies and his braces fall off. Okay, that's right. And he he runs past Bear Bryant. He gets the scholarship, right? Maybe it's he because he goes to like the. Maybe he gets into the good school because he has um. He has uh. There's like a some sort of. Sally Field does something horrible for her son. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's, and I don't, I don't understand. Like I watched it. I, I, it took me a while to watch all of it. I'd watch parts of it, then I watched all of it, and I don't understand why people like this movie so much. I guess I feel that way about lots of things in life, but I don't, I don't get it. Like it doesn't seem like a good movie to me. Like I think the, and I like Robin Wright a lot, and I think her character in here is, is kind of ridiculous too. It's like it's kind of just hippie punching the whole way through it's like oh she was sexually abused and so that's why she became part of the counterculture uh and that's why she you know that's why she rejected like vietnam uh she was because she was like sexually abused and because and she, she was, was simple so of course she had to have aids in the end yeah 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 right and so yeah she she you know had sex outside of marriage so she died of aids well there you go right um but uh lieutenant and then go ahead yeah, Lieutenant, and also you know, uh, the the Bubba character too is also kind of played as being dumb, right? And he's like African American guy from Alabama who has a shrimping business, and he's played as being dumb, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Just obsessed with crawfish. Um, or shrimp. Yeah. Shrimp. shrimp. Is he obsessed with shrimp? I thought, was there... Oh, I'm I'm thinking back to... Shrimp. He does all the kinds of shrimp. I'm thinking back to yeah. Raisin Arizona yeah. about the crawdaddies. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm still in... Um, yeah, but it's shrimp. But. You're just thinking about the end of crawfish season. Yeah, that's a, yeah, making me sad. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I could go on and on about Forrest Gump. I just think it's a crap movie. And I don't understand the affection for it. Um, so, compared to where I think Tom Hanks uh, in The Green Mile, which I actually do like, plays a really interesting Southern character, I think. And I like that movie. I think Forrest Gump is not an interesting character and is dumb. <clears throat> All right. Anything else about Forrest Gump that we should go into? Or is that stupid is as stupid does? Stupid is as stupid <laughs> does. I even like Robert Zemeckis, but anyway. Um, Okay, so David, what is your number one? Uh, I had kind of a tie at number one. I guess honorable mention I'll give to the one that you like, which is The Green Mile. Okay. And and I just hate it for its hokey spiritualism and its uh, magical Negro trope. And, um, yeah, those two things mostly. But the one that I really, really dislike the most is The Help. Some learning to do. You so do. Johnny's grandmama left in this house when she died. And then Johnny's mama would let me change the thing. But if I had it my way, this place would be wall to wall white carpet with gold trim. None of this old stuff. Main house has five beds and baths, and then the whole house has two more beds and baths. When y'all gonna start having some cheering? Filling up all these empty beds. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, good. That's um. Then that came I haven't up last actually week watched too. all of it. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can just say about the help what I said earlier um, uh, uh, that it's. It, uh, normally I say whatever way that you want to tell the story. I'll approach it on those terms. I'm not... uh, Like when Spike Lee did the movie based on the uh, Greek... uh, um, On the Trojan women, what was that called? It was uh, um, where all the women quit having sex with the guys until they quit. Oh, uh, Chirac. Yeah, Chirac. When uh, he made that, I heard somebody say that he shouldn't have made that movie from that point of view and in that way. And that that was the problem with the movie, that it should have been a different movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. Spike Lee can make the movie he wants to. If you want that other movie right. that you're imagining to be made, then make it. Right. But in this yeah. case, I just think the people that the story was supposedly about were not the people that the story was about. It's not the people that things were happening to. It's not the people who, you know, it was... Um, one of those movies where white people want to get credit for not for for being against racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think and, more. Th- yeah. yeah. It, beyond that, like I think, uh, and it's kind of project like it's a historical movie, but it's projected into right now, right? And it's I think it's for white people to watch and say like, oh, I would have been that white yeah. person. And, and that white person isn't, like, with the Black Panthers, or that person isn't, like, a revolutionary. That person isn't John Brown. But that person is, like, a upper-middle-class society person who's like, well, racism's dirty, 
Right. Saving uh, uh, or ending racism by being nice. That niceness is really the solution to the problem. Right, right. That's what we all want to hear. And mm-hmm. um, there's actually a quote. Um, I'm trying to think who it was that said it. I'll have to get back to you. Let me find it real quick here. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, the help for those reasons. And just because it seemed like the, um, the punchline was dumb and was a punchline. The eat my shit punchline, that is. Oh, yeah, the pie that you, yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, that's kind of my view on it. It was, oh, like, please applaud us for being what we're supposed to be. Right. Please applaud us for being human beings. Please applaud us for not being racists, for being human beings. And, yeah, it was very, uh, I did not like it. Yeah, and I also wonder, like, if they had made a movie, like, say, like, uh, they made a movie called The Help, and it was about um, the people who went with John Brown to murder slave owners. Would, they, <laughs> yeah. would the same people be like, <laughs> would people be like, oh, yeah, that's really, that's good, because I am into anti-racism. That's totally, well. I would have been right there with them. I would have been right there with yeah. them, like, slicing those throats. I would have. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah, that, I, I would have been the help. Yeah, yeah, it would have been help. But, but it's a, I think it is. It's to make like upper middle class white people comfortable and say like, well, you know, I'm I'm not racist because I think my uh, black housekeeper deserves a ride home in the afternoon. Um, I wouldn't make her walk home, and I wouldn't call her bad names. I wouldn't do anything to like alleviate the structural situation. For, the economic situation, the racist situation that she lives in, but I'll be I'll be polite to her. So isn't that enough? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Philadelphia, Mississippi, and uh, tell people not to tell racists not to be racist, and I'm gonna help <laughs> yeah. people I'm gonna and see how it works see out. How it works out. Um, I'm gonna help that way. That's how what I'm gonna do to help be the help. And put, <laughs> please help find my body. Um, um, the help. Yeah, yeah, that is the help. The help to f- I'll dig up part of a levee. <laughs> the help to find the, the, the quote that I was looking all for. Right. So those those are them. Those are all of our movies. All the, all the I, worst movies about the South. Yes. I wanted to tell you the quote that I was looking for, and I yeah. wanted to look it up real quick and make sure that it was actually said because it occurred to me I'd never snoped it before. And I thought, okay. well, I would hate to react to a quote that what didn't actually happen. Mm. But when Morgan Freeman, in an interview at one point, was to claim that um, the way to get rid of racism was to stop talking about it, all the yeah, people really who put that meme up on their yeah. Facebook page because they don't want to talk about racism. Um, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. And I saw that getting circulated. And it's one of those, you're like... First, yeah, first I thought Morgan Freeman didn't really say that. And then I looked, and it's like, oh, he did. And it's like, well, Morgan Freeman's uh, an old man and very well off and also entitled completely to his own opinion because he grew up black in Clarksdale, Mississippi, so he can say whatever he wants to say on the subject. But it's not the greatest opinion. Well, and I don't even know how completely that's his opinion. It was something he said once right. in a certain right. context, and it was very public on 60 Minutes, a very public context, but... Right. I'm sure that he's had plenty of opportunities and lots of encouragement to think over that opinion and possibly revise it since. I'm not sure if he has. But it's not even about him saying it. It's just the, what, the things that people yeah. want to 
latch on to in order to not do the hard work. Right. And that's what that was what the help felt like to me. So sorry, I took us back a step, but you were summing up. No, no, I think that's actually correct. Yeah, some those are our uh, those are the fifteen worst movies about the South, in our opinion, this week. So that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, thanks, Chad. You're welcome. Thanks, David. Thank you. And everybody, listen. See you next week. See you next week.